Well, I don't know about you. Yesterday, I mean, there's a few opinions going around about the policy address. There are a lot of opinions going around about the policy address. Uh, I sat here and supervised the radio broadcast, and it was rather a good morning because I knitted two jumpers and translated um, the, charge, the charge of the light brigade, <laughs> funnily enough, into Klingon. So it wasn't a bad morning. Steve, how are you? Good morning. I'm not sure why I thought of the charge of the light brigade, though. Oh, uh, yes. Well, Can- cannons to the, the left. Cannons to the left. I mean, um, I, I, I read some newspaper column this morning by, by um, I'm sure, a terribly erudite fellow who said that all of his colleagues used to jump up and down with excitement at the opportunity to cover the policy address. They know I'm how to thinking, live. I'm thinking, hmm, there's the definition of sad in one sentence. Jumping up and down to, to cover the policy address. Yes. I have to say this, though. I mean, I wouldn't have got the chauffeur and the roller out to come to RTHK today. Yeah, well done. Um, and travelled all this distance at phenomenal personal expense to say nice things about Lern Chung Ying because it kind of goes against the grain, you know? I mean, the DNA has been programmed in one direction and Lern Chung Ying has been pro- programmed in another direction. But this is I what's ha- called the pledge. Yes. The prestige will come in just a while. Yes. <laughs> but I do have to say that I was pleasantly surprised. I thought... Shut up. I know, I know, I know. I'm ruining everything. I thought that um, um, there's there, there's lots of holes in it, and I can, I'll gleefully talk about those. But in its emphasis on dealing with, with poverty issues, in a society where, let's not forget, I mean, I'm going to repeat this as often as I can, 20% of the people live below the poverty line. This is not even vaguely a small problem Mm. in a society where that exists where one in three of elderly people one in three of elderly people live on the poverty line it seems to me it's about time we had a chief executive that turned his attention i don't think it was quite his full attention but at least he turned his attention to issues of poverty so if that was the headliner in this i'm all in favor i mean you know i mean his predecessor donald chung was famous for not liking poor people i say and you can see where he comes from frankly but um you know and he his predecessor was the one who rather than spend any money on poverty alleviation did that absolutely still unforgivable sin of handing out six thousand dollars to everybody in hong kong from billionaires to bus drivers yeah that was the i i think was the the height of folly so here we here we have a chief executive who who seems to have taken on board the idea that something actually has to be done about poverty and i mean there's things in there for the elderly what i like is there's things in there about education hong kong has far too long focused on higher education don't get me wrong, I'm not against higher education. Lower education lower is where education it needs to start. Lower education is where it starts. So, you know, there, there's money in there for kindergarten education. There's more of an emphasis on primary and secondary schools. And there's more of an emphasis, if you're going to talk about higher education, there's more of an em- emphasis on enabling poorer students. I, I believe the euphemism is less well-off, but let's call it what it is. Poorer students to be able to study in universities. All of those things, I think, are very good. And... He's done something which people keep talking about but totally ignore, about getting Chinese language education for ethnic minorities in Hong Kong, which are growing in number. I mean, it just seemed a no-brainer that you would do this, yet nothing has been done. So you've got to give him credit in those areas. Let's talk about how these things are done. It's really interesting that you bring up the Chinese language education thing. On paper, great. 
as was the so-called net teacher scheme. Great. But you listen to the horror stories that these guys come out well, with and how it's you, implemented. You know, the devil's in the detail, isn't it? So um, you outline the policy, you give it some money, and then you have to see how it works. I, I have an open mind on whether it will work or not. But the fact of the matter is, if you don't provide the funds for this form of education, it sure as hell isn't going to happen. It's not going to I've got a little email here from Angie who says, OMG. That's oh my god. <laughs> yes, god. Steve is not feeling himself. <laughs> well, he is. I'm looking I, at him doing I, it. I, it's something you can only do on radio, I can tell you. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I she do doesn't like the new. She doesn't like the new nice Steve Vines. <laughs> Listen, I am apologising. <laughs> That's all I can say. Oh, do you want me to do the other stuff? Oh, I'm sure well, you will. You know, he Oscar. Was, he was crap about constitutional <laughs> reform, wasn't he? I well, mean, you know, there was there was no, that, that wasn't mentioned. There's a few lines and in And there's there. very little in there on um, all that. You, you know that thing we live in? Oh, it's called the environment, yeah. Yeah. There wasn't much of that in there. I'll tell you what, but, they, they um, were, was, You know, I mean... I'm, I've unfortunately, unlike this sad sack who was writing about how his colleagues got excited about covering policy races, I've actually... Perhaps they all did it naked. Maybe that's what it was all about. <laughs> I always say it depends on who's naked. <laughs> I always like to add that caveat. Yeah. Um, where were we? Oh, yeah. I, I can't say that I've done it with great enjoyment, but, I mean, you know, I have listened to a lot, a lot of policy addresses that were infinitely worse than this one. When, when, so that's a not, not. When, yeah, not, not the known knowns <laughs> and the no, no knowns. Yes. Good old Chris. So, um, yesterday the preamble was something that he's likely to talk about, uh, quote, minority issues, where you've mentioned so called minority well, issues. You know, I can... But there was zero mention of the LGBT community. That's true. Zero. That's true. Well, I've never actually heard that mentioned in a policy address. I mean, these guys are bubbling up, really. No, no, I, 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 I that, that, I mean, you, you, you look at things that weren't mentioned, that's quite true. Nothing, uh, Hong Kong remains in the Stone Age as far as any kind of um, acknowledgement or legislation for the LGBT community. Um, but, you know, there were other sort of unfashionable areas in there, such as um, facilities and help for the disabled, which, you know... Uh, but these are no-brainers, you, you, you would have thought they were... I know. You would have thought they were no-brainers, yet... For years and years, people who've worked in that area have said, you know, these people have difficulty getting on buses, have difficulty getting access to this, that and the other, need certain amount of help to enable them to go to work. Um, and it's been sort of... Simple things, eh? Sort of looked at and said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a big problem. Next! I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what, let's ask our listeners, if you've got any comments, I mean, just whatever it might be, maybe something a bit different. I, I picked up the LGBT thing because I produced mm. the Gaberhood and I, and yeah. I work with these fellows. Yeah. And let's get it straight here. It's not everybody's cup of tea, yeah. but it's not all about going hello and listening to Barbara yeah. Streisand. It's about being allowed legally to do what you do. And you know what it is? I mean, this same idiot who, who wrote about how his colleagues were uh, uh, getting excited about covering the policy address said that... Um, you, you know, if you're middle class, there's nothing in this for you. I've heard that but, as well, yeah. But, but you know, this, this seems to imply that middle class people don't live in the community. I mean, I, I'm middle class. Actually, I'm upper class, to be absolutely frank. Blue but, blood. But, but <laughs> you, you, hey, put a needle in and come <laughs> gashing out blue. Cobalt, I can tell you all that the way. now. Um, but, um, you know, I live in the community, as we all do. And if you feel, as a member of the middle class or the upper class or the middle upper class, because in Britain, of course, the stratas are endless, um, you might just look at it this way, that, that a community isn't sustained only by how it looks after the better off. 
it's sustained by how all stratas of society yeah. are looked after. And this, the same applies. I mean, you say, you know, all these gay issues aren't everybody's cup of tea. Well, no, I mean, but, some people get quite, no, no, frankly, no, I, I turned off you, by but, it or repulsed I mean, even. The point is, you don't need to be gay to recognise... It's freedoms. That, that, ...that these are freedoms for human beings to express themselves, to form relationships, to be given legal recognition for these relationships. Everything can't be looked at as what is this? What's in it for me? I know you're ab- you're absolutely ha- come with you know that hands held called? up. You know what that's called? Thinking, I suppose. Community. Yeah. Well, the thing is, who never heard of that? As I was going to say, if you've got anything on your mind, do drop us a line. Morning Brew at rthk.hk. You have heard and you will hear, I'm sure, quite a bit about this today. But I wonder if anything's got anybody's got anything that's sort of you know left of centre, something that yeah. nobody's thought of. Stick it on our Facebook page as Angie has done, or just drop us an email. Very curious. We don't need to rant but he does listen i do that for a living but then in the <laughs> afternoon session with the 45 minute pre- meet the press etc um basically he said something along the lines of well i can't do everything yeah in the in the yeah, policy I, address I, I, I was fairly underwhelmed listening to that i i mean i you know i'm fairly underwhelmed by see why long all round but but you know my, my view is you can't just play a single track on a record if you if if you think that the next track has something more interesting on it you should say that and and i'm slightly disappointed by the um, by, the Democrats not recognising that there are things in there that they have long campaigned for, and you know if 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 the government is moving in direction, why not say so? Well, you know, has it moved far enough? I don't think so. Is the amount of money that's being spent on these new initiatives? I mean, you take the main poverty alleviation measure, which comes in at three billion dollars. That is exactly. Not exactly, but pretty close to being exactly 1% of government expenditure. So we're not talking about, you know, the government dishing out um, the family silver and possibly the antique watches and all the rest of it and emptying the coffers. This is, in terms of government expenditure, not not anything much more than modest. So all these people are getting excited and I can see them now going, oh, Hong Kong's turning into a welfare state. Um Honestly, boys, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. Douglas, good morning. He said, did you notice CY seems to be spending while the financial secretary warns about running out of money? Ah, uh, yes. Well, the financial... I'm, I, I'm so grateful to, for, to Douglas for raising this because the financial secretary has a, a, an impeccable record of being wrong every... Not one year, but every single year in his financial projections. He says every year, oh, my God, we're not going to make more than this, and we're going to have this and this, and then the figures come out, and he's not slightly wrong. He's fundamentally, absolutely wrong. So if you so see... when the financial sector goes, <laughs> oh, my God, in 20 years' time, there'll be nothing left in the kitty, you'd, you would listen to someone who has at least a partial track record of being right. When you have yeah. a total track record of being wrong, I'm just... Yeah, no, I can't be bothered to listen to him. I tell you what, though, in the in the years to come, when times is hard, if you see an advert in the paper for Jay Jung, bookmakers and turf accountants, <laughs> don't call it. Don't call it. <laughs> Go to someone who'll give you a better chance. That would be my view. What What are we missing here, Steve? Um, anything Anything else that you wouldn't normally think of that did or did not occur? Well, I I think one of I mean. What what did occur, and, and we, we should mention this because, uh, as ever, you know, style is interesting. What did occur was the normal 
Um, I don't know who who tells them to do this. The normal sort of drone-like delivery. I mean, this is the statement of intent for the coming year. It could, I mean, Stephen little, Fry hasn't got much to worry about, has Stephen he? Stephen Fry might still be in a job by the end of the year. <laughs> uh, I understand that he's not going to be chief executive next year, but, you know, who knows? I mean... I, what is it? What 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 is the war on on liveliness that is fought by government officials? I mean, see, I learned if he if he made a, a facial expression or a point of emphasis, I missed it. I just don't think he did throw in a couple personal thingies because we were following the. Did you? you know, will you listen more closely than I did? That's all I can but say. Just just the odd little nicety. I, I have to say that 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 some of it I just because I read on because, you know, my attention span is only so long and yeah. I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll read this big block. Um, I can turn off and catch up with it by doing that. But, I mean, you, you, you know, I do think that leadership does imply, even slightly, being able to exert just 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 a weeny yeah. tiny bit of charisma does that would that really hurt i noticed perhaps a bit of expression a bit of you know i really believe in this not oh goodness me i'm reading my shopping list and i see that that we need some personal this week you know yeah well there was a there was a bit of george w bush in there you know and i met this fellow who went to guangxi and <laughs> oh, yes. opened a sweatshop oh or yes I, I i saw that yes yes the, the the manufactured quote of real experience yeah well there yes. were a couple of those at least oh well they, they they must have been put in by a very daring speech writer but any journalist worth their salt i.e you would say who when yeah who is this yeah. person who is that made it up yeah yeah, I mean, the, 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 the so-called telling anecdotes... You don't need the telling anecdotes. They always ring phony to me. Well, they Unless they're done by an old master like Bill Clinton, who was really good at this sort of thing. But, yeah. you know... I, I, incidentally, just, just in parenthesis, I went to see, um, on Tuesday night, they had a, a showing of the new Mandela film, which is gonna, going on to general release. And one of the things people don't seem to realise about Mandela, and this, this film didn't show, was that he actually is a speaker was not very good but you know the man just had such charisma and at uh, plus a um you know an extraordinary uh, life history and and capability but you know a, a, actually delivering the old speeches he really wasn't very good at that but here you have a leader here <laughs> we don't even he's not even vaguely in the, the sort of league of anybody like mandela but here we have a leader here who who, who not only has no charisma but makes no attempt Avalanche City on Radio 3 and Sunset. Nice happy tune for a Thursday morning to keep Steve Vines chirpy. I've got a couple of emails here. One more quickie from Douglas about the annual ejections of radical Democrats. Longhair put up quite a fight this year. Blame him, says Douglas, for the length of the speech. Well, that was quite funny, Douglas, because as you know, the poor guy's on crutches, so in, they couldn't just chuck him out. They had to get a wheelchair. <laughs> Yes, I mean, I think that's getting a bit ritualised, you know, the throwing things. And can I also say to Mr. Leung Kwok Hong, he's really got to, he's really got to concentrate on his aim. It doesn't seem very good. Apparently, the what was it? If threw a banana or or an egg, um, I, I think it was an egg. It was an egg. Apparently, it hit he thinks one. he's Justin Bieber. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, well, we all, uh, we, but, we, all, we all aim to be Justin Bieber, don't we? But the thing is, this year they were a bit more scary because uh, both or all three of them got out of their seat and really ran towards the chief executive. I've seen that before. Bit more drama there, bit more drama. Let's go to Chris. Email, good morning, thank you. If you want to get in touch, morningbrew at rthk.hk. Anything you like, it's all good. Uh, he says, one thing missing was the implementation of small class education. We have declining numbers of children, but are closing schools instead of taking the opportunity to bring in small classes, which would be the norm in most civilised places on the aspect of helping the working population. The failure to come through on his promise to end the theft of MPF contributions by employers in the guise of redundancy payments was notable. Two points there, Chris. Yeah, and and two good points, if if you ask me. I mean, let's take the last one first. This is something that Lee Chuck Yan highlighted very strongly after the policy address. You know, I mean, it is outrageous that that in in, um, making payoffs to laid-off staff, the um, MPF contribution, which after all, remember, is equally contributed both by the employer and by the employee, yeah. can be used to alleviate some of the employer's obligations. Don't get the logic of that. You're an employer. Fill us in. Well, I mean, you, you know, <clears throat> at time of termination, people are owed, um, under whatever is their condition of employment, a certain, a certain amount of money. And if you're unscrupulous, and I hasten to say that doesn't like occur you. in my company, <laughs> if you're unscrupulous, you, you, you can make part of the employer's um, obligations for the payoff to be taken out of the money that's been put in to the MPF fund. Now, you would have thought it's an open and shut case of abuse and that, that loophole should have been plugged, but it hasn't been. And, it, and, and in fact, it's, it's very easy to plug it. So on on two grounds, it's ridiculous that it didn't happen. One is it's easy, and two is, oh, yes, it's wrong. Anyway, and the the other point he makes about small class sizes or smaller (coughs) class sizes uh, is something that I've also long thought is absolutely absurd, that they're closing closing schools instead of reducing class sizes. And remember that class sizes in some schools... And let's be very clear what schools we're talking about. They're schools for working class children. Can be as large as 40. Um, it, apparently, I've heard of one class that has 45 kids in it. And you hear the teacher talking on the PA. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I have to say, when, when I first went to school, that, that was also quite common. I also went to a state school. And uh, we had very big classes. And it was very easy to get lost in them. But I did notice... Armed guards, though, that does make up for... There were armed guards, and some of the windows didn't have (laughs) bars, but not many. (laughs) But, but, you know, it's just ludicrous. You have a golden opportunity to create a much better teaching environment, and uh, instead of that, you say, oh, no, let's keep the class sizes up and close the schools. I mean, that's bonkers. What's the the thinking behind that? Uh, Save money. And, and Does it in the long run, though, when you get all these ill-educated of people? Not, of course not. But, but who's the, the long Through no fault of their own. Yeah. Uh, not only can you save money, but you can also, and this is where our good friends, my very best friends, the property developers, get excited because a lot of those schools are in prime sites. So you can flog them off and you, you can build skyscrapers. I mean, honestly, that's so much better than cluttering up the space with, with these educational facilities. It's interesting. That was a reasonable point, even though I came up with it. <laughs> The thing about yeah. the, the, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> the thing about the knock-on effects. Yes, and we're talking years down the line. Perhaps. But that's the whole point about education. I mean, as long as you see it as an expenditure rather than as an investment, you'll never understand its benefit. It's it's kind of simple. 
better educated people tend to be more productive, tend to make bigger contributions to society. It's kind of, it's not very complex, that. Tell you what, though, we're not getting people bouncing up and down and doing somersaults about yesterday's policy address. However, Steve wants to move on, but if you've got any more comments, bring it on. Morning Brew at I just have one small interesting point, and that that, that derives from malice, so thank God I'm back on familiar ground, otherwise things get very, very sticky. And it's to do with... What's really interesting about this policy address is, yet again, it highlights something which we don't talk about much, which is the enormous divisions in the pro-government camp, who, who incidentally isn't a pro-government camp anymore. It's just a sort of anti-democrat camp. Yeah. But the anti-democrats, you, you, you know, were pretty united. The DAB sort of lived along with the Liberal Party, lived along with the Federation of Trade Unions, but now... All of these people... Hate the Liberal Party. Hate the Liberal Party. <laughs> and, you, you, you know, you can see where they're coming from. You've got Regina bobbing up and down on the, on the corner, um, trying to, to, to get some of the... Uh, she sees the old Liberal Party constituencies being hers. You've got the DAB showing sh- strains because a lot of members, the really hardline members within there, are um, very upset with Janjuk Singh, who, who isn't hardline enough for them in dealing with the Democrats. And on this policy address, it was really interesting to see that the so-called government parties, most of them, if not all of them, except for the DAB, mm. came out with quite heavy criticisms of the policy address. Because, frankly, you know, they're, they're, there's not much in it for them to be supporters of Leung Chung Ying. And they're trying to carve out a little space in the sunshine so they can get some votes at the next election. There's a very interesting division growing within this camp. I mean, we all know about the divisions in the Democrats because the Democrats, you, you know, kind of shout them from the rooftops. But we always think, oh, the, you know, the, the anti-Democrat camp, they're, they're pretty good at keeping together. Well, you ain't seen it all yet. I think this is one to watch. There'll be more of that. Uh, talking of one to watch... I was highly amused, and, and, and we're now not only going to switch subjects, but switch continents. Smoothly. We go all the way to Europe, to France, La Belle France, where, where poor old President Hollande is, um, is, is... Being French. Is being French. <laughs> and what is so marvellous about it is he had a big press conference this week to talk about economic policy, and all these hacks turned up. I mean, literally, apparently, hundreds of them turned up wanting to talk about, you know, whether, in fact, he's got a mistress as well as his partner who he isn't married to and his former partner who he also wasn't married to but has lots of children. But And Alain just stood up and said, no, I'm not answering any personal questions. And all the French journalists went, oh... Fair enough, you don't want odds. <laughs> and the Brits, and it was all over the British papers yesterday, were going, uh, yeah, this is completely unfair. We turned up to talk about sex, and all he wanted to talk about was social policy. What is wrong with the French? <laughs> do these I, people think they are? You know, it, it's that old thing about, you know, the French say about the British, you know, um, we have the sex, you have the scandals. <laughs> And it's quite true. I mean, Business as usual. Britain, Britain does seem to have an enormous number of sex scandals, and, and I mean, it's hard to measure these things, but you don't quite know how much sex no, is, is taking place. But don't forget this, Steve, in British humour, having a go at the French and sex scandals is just... Yes, it's in, it's in the fodder. system. It, it, it's in Britain's equivalent of the basic law, whatever that... Oh, it's Magna Carta or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, the, the, the entente not very cordial between Britain and France... He did say it, he was experiencing a difficult moment. He in his did, and life. he said, you know, um, lots of people experience difficult moments. 
I wouldn't know about that, but according to President Hollande, that is the case. And therefore, um, um, I'll carry on with that and you shut up. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it, it's extraordinary. In, in France, um, you had, for example, President Mitterrand, who was a very long-serving president, who, who barely lived with his family, lived with his long-time mistress, more or less, all the time, mm-hmm. had a daughter with her. And this was never mentioned in French newspapers. And it's just the, like the French and. just say, well, you know, if he's got a mistress, he's got a mistress. Love, I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not get too excited about le whatever. this. Yeah, le whatever. <laughs> you know, I kind of like that. I, it, it, I, I mean, I, I believe in public accountability, but frankly, what does it matter? I mean, as sells far rags, as public it? policy is concerned... It's the pictures that sell the rags. It's the pictures that sell... I mean, the, the, the paper that so-called exposed this, this second mistress and the telling, the telling detail of a bag of croissants being delivered at breakfast time... Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know about that. Somebody told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, um, is is um, a paper owned by uh, one of those uh, Berlusconi people... Uh, who's another person who I believe has had a few, a few, a few um, encounters with Absolute sexual crackers. scandals. Yeah. So you know you can't really make all of this up, but it's it's it's. It, I just like I mean not the incident itself, but the different attitudes towards it. Of course, can I just say for Hong Kong, the special administrative region, that that we have neither sex nor scandals, and I think that's just wonderful. I think it would be brilliant <laughs> if we had one. Where's, have we had a decent sex scandal here? Only when Geoffrey Archer was in town. Yeah, but <laughs> you can't know imported Well, here's one count. for you, Steve. Geoffrey Archer, people had to ring up and write in and whatever. Can we interview Lord Archer? And, and it was like, well, I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about this. Yes. I mean, what would you say to a bloke that you must have encountered that before? Yeah, well, you just keep banging on the door. The elephant see, in the room. Yeah, you keep banging on the door until they, they come clean. I mean, I, I remember that um, during the Blair government, Robin Cook, if you remember, who was yes. the foreign secretary, was involved in a bit of messy um, scandal stuff. And he came to Hong Kong. Um, and the first thing he did, because he was a bit of a punter, the first thing he did was scheduled on his program the um, uh, a visit to Happy Valley so right. he could go and put some money on the GGs. And um, I somehow rather discovered this and when he came to his press conference i said you know mr cook is it true that one of your first appointments is is and he turned on me and he said how dare you ask a question like that where do you get your information from so i said well if it's not true he said i'm not answering that what's the big deal (laughs) what's the big deal yeah, it was, I, I, was, I, I, also, I, I happen to know Robin Cook, so I, I, I was. I, I think he was. He thought that this was some sort of personal betrayal or something. That 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 was the first question, but it, that did seem to me to be valid because he was here to talk. This was at a sensitive time in Hong Kong's history. There was there was a lot going on. It did seem to me that if his priority was going to the racetrack rather than dealing with the purpose of the visit, and God goodness knows what the purpose of the visit was. It's all lost in the mists of time. That did seem a valid thing to ask about, but um, the Foreign Secretary of Her Majesty's Government didn't didn't take that view. But the hubris of not expecting somebody to ask that question. Or, or even to mention it. Big deal. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Next. Yes. I mean, th- this, of course... Is, is the great way of dealing with this. You know, I mean, even the old, and I'm sorry to bring it up yet again, all in the space of one programme, but the old master, Bill Clinton, you know, the way he initially dealt yeah. with the Monica Lewinsky scandal was just ridiculous. 
I mean, the evidence was all there that um, <clears throat> they'd had um, some sort of intimate relationship and they'd done it in the Oval Office. So he thought the best way out of it was just to lie. And then, then, of course, the lie was discovered, as it always is. Why don't these people learn that? And then he had to come back, and he very masterly, because he's very good at this, kind of made it, yeah, OK, you know, we're all human, I'm more human than most, I've let down my family, I've let down this and this, but let's move on. He could have done that right at the beginning, but somehow he thought... I don't know that Monica Lewinsky, no one will believe her. She's a little dumpy. She's um, she's not as well known as I am. And who will believe that she um, facilitated... He still survived marvellously well. Well, that's the point. <laughs> he did manage to come back. But I'm saying even someone who has political instincts of the kind that, that Clinton has, when it comes to sex matters, he, he stuck... I mean, that could have undone him. I mean, well... Of course, the Republicans made an enormous attempt to use that as leverage to get him out of the presidency. If you remember, he was impeached oh, over this. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a tiny little matter. I mean, that some some. I mean, it was a stupid thing to impeach him over, in my view. But anyway, some media, I don't know, communications <coughs> professor somewhere must have written a study about this because he handled several. <laughs> he handled it phenomenally well. When we think well, of Bill Clinton now, we don't think of impeachment. Yeah, afterwards, but initially, initially. Yep. He, he did what they all do. Um, he denied Duck it. Duck and cover. Rob, Robin Cook, I mean, just going back to him, yeah. when it was discovered that, that he was having this extremely uh, um, tense affair with um, somebody in his office, he also thought the best thing to do was to lie about it. Until Alistair Campbell, who was... Alistair um, Campbell. <laughs> who was Tony Blair's um, spin doctor, went up to him and said, stop that. Stop. Apparently that's what happened. Stop he just it went, now. He just said, uh, right, look, these lies... You know, you've got to come clean. The only other thing the Brits have had when it comes to sex scandals is a sex scandal that will send you to sleep. John Major and Edwina Curry. <laughs> well, it, no, no, no. And it, they, wasn't, it was the image of that that was oh, no, very off-putting. Didn't, didn't like the look of that at all. Let's go to a quickie from Scott here. He says, does having a lazy boy chair below... Oh, he's talking about um, our previous... Let me see here. Our previous candidate for sea here had a swimming pool with a glass window. Does having a lazy boy chair beneath it so he could see girls swimming... A la natural count as a sex scandal. I'm not sure he did that. We're, we're, we're talking about Henry Tang, are we yeah. not? Yes, yes. Um, well, it was a great loss to humanity that he never became the chief executive. And I gather now, because he's had a little time off, he can do many things, spell his own name, walk, walk and chew gum <laughs> at the same time. Apparently he's really getting the hang of these things now. Scott does a serious PS. The worst part about Clinton was how he went on to destroy the life and career of those women who rejected his advances, even back when he was the governor of Arkansas. Apparently so, yeah. 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 So we need a sex scandal, please. Yes. Could, in Hong could Kong. Could we have one juicy as possible... And then I can come on to this program very self-righteously say, I say, Phil, I really don't think this is the sort of thing we should be discussing in the morning. <laughs>